Welcome to the beautiful city of Campbell River in our Modern Entrepreneur podcast series at the 50th Parallel. That's me. You've got questions, we've got experts. Let's find answers. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Modern Entrepreneur Podcast. My name is Leah Knutson. I'm your host today. I am the Business Development Officer with the City of Campbell River Economic Development. And today, I have a very special guest with us. Lucas is here, and Lucas is the Executive Director of Highway 19 Concert Society. And he is going to be with us today to talk about the amazing culture that is here in Campbell River, the concert series that he's putting on. And we're going to delve into the parallels of being an entrepreneur and being an executive director of a not-for-profit. So welcome, Lucas. Um, How about we start off with you telling us a little bit about yourself and how you came about to living in Campbell River? Hi, Leah. Thanks for having me. I moved with my family six years ago now to Campbell River. We were in the Comox Valley for a couple of years before that. And like a lot of people, we both, uh, I grew up in East Vancouver and and my partner grew up in the Comox Valley and uh, did our years in, in bigger cities. And when we got to the time of having our own, our families, we were looking for a place that's going to fit our lifestyle better. And, and Campbell River has been fantastic. We're so happy we settled here. Nice. And when you first came to Campbell River, what were what were you up to? What were you doing? My first job in Campbell River, I started working actually with our member of parliament, uh, Rachel Blaney, who just got elected for the first time in 2015. And, and um, it was the same time that I was here and uh, had moved here and uh, had worked on her campaign as a volunteer and and the timing all worked out and slotted into that and I did that until just recently it was a really interesting job a challenging job and a great way to get to know the the community and the issues here and and also the region because the our riding went all the way up to Port Hardy and over to Powell River as well. And what led you away from that position with Rachel Blaney? I have, uh, my background before that was not in politics, really. I'm a musician myself. I play drums. I worked in the music business for a long time in various positions, management, funding, uh, organizing events. So it was a bit of a return to that, but I, I actually started started doing concerts um, on the on the side uh, because it was something that I missed and um, and I saw a, a need and a demand here that, that wasn't being met. Um, so I started doing some concerts there and that just kind of grew uh, to the point that it's become a, a job now rather than a hobby. so And how was that? planning and organizing and coordinating concerts during the pandemic. I mean, we hear about all of the impacts that it had on businesses, but especially the entertainment business. And you were doing this as a passion project that must have added a next level to it. Yeah, I mean, it, it actually worked out pretty well because it was a hobby. So I, I started in 2019 and we did six shows that year. And that was the beginning. And it was we would the the second to last show was our first sellout, and it was starting to get some momentum. And then, of course, the pandemic hit. I had had a show planned for uh, late March 2020, and we were sort of watching that one. Inevitably, it was was canceled. But I mean, fortunately, as a as a hobby, I just stopped and put it aside. Um, I know a lot of my friends and colleagues in the in the industry. It was a really hard time and, and I mean continues to be and I know um, I don't have the stats in front of me but uh, you know something like a quarter of the people working in the live uh, performance world 
found new jobs and left. And there's actually a real uh, shortage now of people working in that because there was just nothing. We couldn't, you know, this is an industry that's all about people getting together and sharing experiences in person uh, in a room together. And so having nearly two years where we couldn't do that, just it had to do other things. For me, fortunately, it wasn't my job at that point. So it wasn't really a problem. We just put things aside. And um, and actually during the downtime is when, when I formed the society to continue doing that work in, in a more organized way um, and with a with a bit of a organizational structure and uh, and did some planning and hoping and there was you know we had a couple of concerts that were rescheduled and rescheduled and rescheduled and then finally happened this past spring or or maybe coming this fall but we just kind of waited it out and I found there was there was also a lot of as we were able to open up there was a really sort of a renewed demand for that experience because because people had missed it and it's one of those things where you you really realize what you miss when when we have it taken away from us. Absolutely. I know I definitely missed um, getting together and going and dancing. I went to a concert and it was an outdoor venue. It was a small venue. And I remember sitting there kind of looking around going, I really want to get up and dance, but I'm not sure if I can or not. And about halfway through the concert, people got up and started dancing. And it just was this refreshing amazing energy that you kind of feed off of from the crowd and was definitely definitely missed but at the same time you're doing it and you're kind of like trying to like create your space so not everybody's like right next to you thankfully you know it's getting to be a bit more normalized to go out in public and into crowds and dance and stuff again which is amazing yeah and we'll, we'll see how it goes in the fall i mean i still i i feel differently about crowds than i used to and i don't know if i'll ever want to be in a packed sweaty club again as much as you know i love that experience as as formationally for um especially in in getting into live music but uh, you know the the summer's been really great in having having everything outdoors which which makes that a little bit more comfortable and we've had some really nice crowds and but there's still space and there's there's ventilation and so we'll we'll see how it goes with people's comfort level in the fall we had, had three shows this past spring as things were opening up with sort of different levels of rules week by week and uh, I, nobody still knows exactly where we're going to be this fall and and how soon people are going to be keen to to sit closely together in a in a theater situation but you know we follow the guidelines and and do it safely and i think that that experience is still so important for people that, that there's there's a demand for sure so let's step back a bit and talk about your transition from doing concert series and working on this not-for-profit society working with rachel blaney and then transitioning into your contract for the from the summer with the CR Live Streets event. How did that process go for you to make that jump from being, you know, employed to being an executive director of a not-for-profit? Mm-hmm. I mean, it was uh, again. It was this. This had been my line of work in the past, so it didn't seem as sort of a natural thing. Whereas this, as this developed and the opportunities came, and I'd been been working in Rachel's office for for a number of years, and and was starting to look a little more at, at what my next thing was going to be. Um, you know, knowing that that's that's not a job that's that's sort of forever. And uh, really, just the opportunity. I kept working on the concerts, and I'd put the society together that gave it that structure. Um, but at that point, we you know, it was still operating on fairly small grants and a bit of ticket revenue and doing a, a few shows per season, but it's not 
It's not enough to employ somebody, certainly. I started talking just before the pandemic in 2020 with Jim Creighton, who had run the Spirit Square events for the last number of years. And he was was planning at that time for 2020 to be his last summer doing it. So we started talking after I got the series going and saying, you know, you do concerts, you know how to hire musicians and work with them. Maybe you should look at taking this on. And and we'd had coffee a few times and, and chatted about what that would look like. And then, of course, everything stopped and you know, the event stopped. So then uh, in, I guess, early in, in this of this year, we, we picked up the conversation again and he connected me with folks at the city. And um, so we wound up getting the contract with the, with the Concert Society to do the free events in Spirit Square for the whole summer. And it's been, it's been really amazing. I mean, it went from programming maybe six or eight artists in a year to having, um, you know, almost 40 different uh, performances in in the span of a few months uh, which has been has been really fun for me challenging as well certainly very busy um, yeah it's been very busy uh, but it just I mean for one thing it gives me so many more opportunities to to work with different artists that that previously I would have just said I'm you know my six shows are already booked talk to me in two years we'll see so it's really nice and also to work with a lot more local musicians uh, we have the the Tuesday noon series uh, lunch hour shows and it's been been able to give an opportunity to a lot of, of local and regional p- performers to take the stage and and reach the audiences and and work with them which is is really nice as well because I think really part of my mandate and part of the society's mandate is to build the music scene in Campbell River in our community and that I think there's there's a lot of different aspects to that but part of it for sure is bringing more professional musicians from elsewhere to come and play here so that audiences experience that and you know young people growing up get to see that and think that maybe this is something they want to get into Um, but it also is about giving opportunities to local people to to perform more and and it's been not just the the series that i'm running but there's the farmer's market um there's a bunch of the of restaurants uh and pubs that have been this summer doing more and more uh live performance events so uh, there's actually been a lot. It's been I've had a couple uh, musicians from the Comox Valley come up and and have said, you know, Campbell River's really got something going on. This is you know we get to come here and play here a bunch, and the crowds are great, and we're really enjoying it. And there's just more happening here than than there is in Courtney right now, or or uh, some of these other places, which is is not something I think that we heard a lot in the last couple of years. So. No, that is definitely refreshing to hear and shows the innovation and the progression and the change in the culture of the city. When we think about downtown, sometimes there is uh, not a super positive thought about downtown after hours. How are you finding that the concert series and the live streets is changing that vibe? Yeah, I mean, I think it's it's probably impacted the audiences. I know there are definitely people out there who are who are a little wary, um, but to me, it's this is a key part of of changing that culture. Is the only way to uh, is to use these spaces in positive ways and give people positive experiences there um, and get people out. You know, the the any of the behaviors that people are worried about are happening when uh, when there's a vacuum and there's nothing going on. And uh, we've, I certainly haven't had any issues in the time that we've been doing these shows this summer. And it's really important for, uh, for everyone in the community to have public space where we can get together 
um, regardless of where in town you live or what your income is or what you do in the rest of your life to have shared experiences and, and actually be in a community together. And music is one of the easiest, most accessible ways to do that. Um, so, I mean, I'm really happy that the city's identified that and invested in it and made it a, a priority as part of the plan to, to address some of the issues downtown. But I think it's been it's been very successful while I've been there. And I think the more people get out and, and see that, the more that uh, that it's it's actually just going to improve the, the outcomes for all of us. And, and the use of the space is such an important thing. On average, how many people do you think are coming down to Spirit Square now to partake in your events that are happening? Uh, I mean, the concerts, um, we've had about 100 to 150 on the Tuesday noons every, pretty much the entire summer. Um, the Thursday nights have been uh, around 200. We had had 300, I think, was the biggest crowd we had for two, for a Thursday night show. And uh, and then the live streets on the Wednesday nights in, in July and August, I, I couldn't even count on the, the, the biggest one, the Jesse Roper show. I think there was probably 1,500 people downtown. So, oh, wow. Um, yeah, and, and actually, um, the uh, night before Canada Day, which is always a big party as well, we had about 800 people in the square. So there's been some really good crowds. Even, you know, even a, a couple hundred people in that space, as often as it's happening, is really uh, populating downtown and, and making it a, a place that people go to do things, which is, is, I think, what a downtown should be. And what definitely a downtown having this, like, you know, public square, which is a great thing to have in a place these days. The, but we... It needs to be animated, and that's been happening really well. Uh, also, the the farmers market that's been running down there every Sunday, which moved this year uh, from the parking lot by the regional district office, and then before that, it was at uh, Pier Street uh, at the pier for for a number of years. Um, it's been really fantastic having it there. Uh, the crowds have been great. It's a good space really nice use of Shoppers Row um, and there's lots of parking which was always a challenge at some of the other locations so uh, it's it's just been really good to see people downtown you know shopping having ice cream listening to music all different ages um, and it's yeah it, it, that doesn't happen unless you have those activities there so absolutely and we've been hearing amazing positive feedback from the local businesses who are downtown saying that they've have increased traffic and increased sales as a result of people staying downtown during noon hour or into the evenings and being able to access some of those um, businesses that are staying open. So let's go back to looking at the comparisons of and being an executive director and actually being an entrepreneur. We were chatting before we started recording and you were drawing a lot of comparisons to running an off-for-profit as to running your own business. And certainly you could have gone either way. You could have decided to start this business as your own or do it as a not-for-profit in a society. Why did you take one path versus the other? I mean, the the, the simple answer is that I can get more grants as a nonprofit. Um, you know, there's a, a long-standing joke that there are literally hundreds of dollars to be made in the Canadian music industry. So, you know, it's, it, it actually was technically a sole proprietorship when I started the concert series, um, but it was a, a break-even model. It wasn't 
I didn't need to get paid from it. I just wanted the concerts to happen and hopefully not lose money. Um, and I didn't. It was uh, it was very successful in that model. But moving towards being uh, doing it as a as a job where I can pay my mortgage with it as well. It's uh, definitely working as a as a nonprofit. You're able to access uh, cultural funding, both federal and provincially, and from from a local government, and uh, that sort of enables me to do it on a on an ongoing basis and have a bit of certainty, uh, be able to plan ahead. The amount of activity that we required to sort of make a wage off ticket sales would be probably impossible in a in a community this size. Mm-hmm. Um, and I also, it, it allows me to have a, a mandate that is to serve the community uh, in, in different ways that's not, um, not strictly about being a, a financially successful business. And I know there's a few different models you can take with that, mm-hmm. um, but certainly part of the, of the goal is to obviously support the arts community and, and um, meaning not just people involved in the arts community, but but fans in Campbell River, right. but also uh, the music community, which I've been a part of in nationally and provincially for, for most of my life. And and really, you know, we're at the at the north end population wise of the island. And that's where I was finding when you're looking at touring routes for for artists, they're they usually would not come up this far, you mm-hmm. know, maybe play the Comox Valley, maybe not even sort of a couple shows in Victoria and Nanaimo, um, and then back to the mainland. And so I really paying the artists decently is is a big part of, of what I always want to do. And if I can't do that, then, then I'm not going to do the shows. And uh, making touring on the island more viable. So that means working as well with presenters in different parts of, of the island uh, and some of the smaller islands as well to to work together on bringing artists here and making kind of a, a network where it's worthwhile to come and play all these communities and and bring this cool music to to uh, our community. And I think it's just it's easier to to keep those things in mind with the model that I have. But I, I think it you know whatever it's they're just organizational choices and structural mm-hmm. choices. But ultimately, whether whether you're doing running it as a uh, purely as a business or as a nonprofit or or uh, some kind of hybrid. I mean, we're still identifying a, a gap in services or in products or in in whatever in, in the area you're going to work and then trying to meet that as best you can and make it sustainable. And so I'm happy that, that this has been growing at a sustainable level and, and uh, hopefully can continue to do that. And so looking past the summer into the fall, what sort of things can the community look forward to through Highway 19? Well, we're going to get our um, our fall concert series going again at uh, River City Stage. Beautiful little theater. It's actually a really a gem in our community that I think a lot of people don't know about. I stumbled into it actually for a municipal election debate in 2018, I suppose that was. And uh, I'd never been there before. And as soon as I walked in the door, I just went... I want to see bands here. This is such a great little space. It's a, it's a 96 seat uh, theater with a little lobby and concession. Um, it's owned by River City Players, who are our uh, local uh, amateur theater company. So I just rent that space from them, which is great. It's another way for them to get some revenue and continue to sort of have a circular economy of supporting one another. And uh, and then hire the artists and they come and perform there. So we'll we'll do probably three shows this fall uh, and three shows in, in the spring. That's sort of what I'm looking at as the season there, and uh, that will be announced soon. 
You can follow our Facebook page to find out. And uh, also working with the recreation department on some other ideas um, sort of based off some of the Spirit Square work. But I know obviously there's a couple of big events that we always have at Spirit Square. The uh, Halloween pumpkin carving. Then there's uh, Remembrance Day is a big one there. And then the uh, truck parade and uh, Christmas parade. So those I'll, I'll be working on those with the BIA and, and different groups downtown. The thing I'm really excited about uh, trying to organize a bit of a um, community party around Canada's appearance in the World Cup of Soccer. It's happening at the end of November. I'm a big soccer guy, so I'm pretty excited about that. Um, and uh, yeah, hopefully we can can put together some watch parties for, for those games. Well, it sounds like there's a lot going on in Campbell River in the next few months. So we will definitely uh, list the Facebook page on the podcast description so we can get all of that information out to the community. So now we're going to go into the rapid fire questions. Okay. Ladies and gentlemen, it's time for Rapid Fire! So, Lucas, what was your first job? My first job was uh, also in the music business. My family ran a distribution company uh, in Vancouver selling CDs by independent artists to record stores across Canada back when CDs and record stores were a thing. So you literally grew up in the music industry. That's amazing. And if you were not doing your current job, what would you be doing? I would probably still be working with Rachel Blaney. I uh, I really like that work. It was challenging, but it really felt it's it's important work. And so I I have to tip my hat to the public servants out there working in, in political offices. I think uh, it's maybe underappreciated how much work goes into that and really to try and, and help the folks in our communities. So. so whether you were with Rachel Blaney or Highway 19, it sounds like you are a natural community builder and working at building up all aspects of the community in the region, which is great work to be doing. And I see a lot of similarities. What is your connection to Campbell River? My first connection to Campbell River, I grew up in East Vancouver in the, the big city, but we used to come here when I was a kid uh, and camp at Elk Falls Campground and rent boats um, from the little shops that used to be along the side of the highway and go fishing. And we do that every summer for three or four days. And I have a lot of pictures of, uh, of holding fish that we caught at those <laughs> camping trips when I was a little kid. Um, so it was kind of a mythical place to me back then, and I never would have expected that I'd wind up living here. But uh, yeah, I wouldn't have it any other way at this point. And finish this sentence, a modern entrepreneur is? A modern entrepreneur is is an artist, really, is creative. Uh, you have to think up things that people need, I think, ideally. There's some stuff other people probably don't need. Uh, <laughs> but it's the the... Thinking, thinking on your feet, and then and being an organizer as well, which is is uh, something that I've always enjoyed doing. And you have to um, to put those put those ideas into practice in a in a functional way. It's very multifaceted, like event planners. Yes. And what is something no entrepreneur should be without? Hmm. I probably don't have it. Um, <laughs> a good cup of coffee. <laughs> It definitely uh, gets you through a lot of those organizational conundrums. Yeah, I, growing up on Commercial Drive, I'm, a, I'm an espresso junkie. I have my little pot at home, and that's the only way to start the day. And uh, very grateful that we have some excellent coffee shops downtown, too, as well, to, 
to keep me going when I have a dip. <laughs> right across from Spirit Square, nonetheless. Dangerously close to Spirit Square at times, yeah. <laughs> well, thank you so much for joining us. And you are definitely a modern entrepreneur here in Campbell River at the 50th Parallel. And we look forward to seeing everything that your future holds with Highway 19 and the concert series. Awesome. Thanks for having me, Leah. Thank you. Thanks for joining us on the Modern Entrepreneur podcast series. For more information and to hear more, visit campbellriver.ca.